that our lives would be lived in a manner that our desire is that in all that we do, Christ would be seen. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for this time to gather together this morning to worship you, to give you a, a, a sweet savor, Father, that, that, that what we say and sing and do here today would, would just be praise to you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before you sit down, before you sit down, yeah, Stephen's already got it going on. This, this, go ahead and put your arms up. There you go. And as Nehemiah and Ezra would say, all right, you can go ahead and sit down. Just in case any of you are wondering what that's all about in the Baptist church, that's straight out of Nehemiah 8, so, all right. The book of Acts. The last two weeks we've tried to make it. Sorry. The last two weeks we've tried to make it through three verses and we haven't made it yet. And today we're going to fasten your seat belts, don't fall off your chairs. I think we're going to make it through 14 verses. Maybe. Acts is also known as the Luke, the second, second Luke. There we go. Luke 1 and Luke 2. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at a couple of the feasts out of Leviticus 23, that the Passover feast that was celebrated in ancient Jewish times was to look forward to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the offering of the perfect Lamb of God for your sins and for mine. Then the feast of the first fruits looked forward to Christ's resurrection. And the Pentecost in the Old Testament times was the celebration of the giving of the law. Today we celebrate it as a birthday. The birth date of the Church of Christ. The day that, that the Holy Spirit came upon, baptized Jews and Gentiles into one body, into the church, the body of Christ. And then the filling is, is what the filling of the Holy Spirit is primarily what we're going to look at in the bulk of our verses today. Last week we talked about the activities of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit isn't just a New Testament phenomenon, or that the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit only happened in the New Testament. The, the Holy Spirit is very active in the Old Testament and prior to the Pentecost that, that we're looking at in Acts chapter 2. Last week we looked at Genesis and, and how the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. We, we looked at Gideon. We looked at David and Saul, how, how the Holy Spirit came upon David and it left Saul. Okay? Because of Saul's sin. Excuse me, in 1 Kings we looked at Obadiah and Elijah. In Luke we saw that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and performed a miracle and made her with child, the, the child, Christ Jesus. 
And then in Luke, the Holy Spirit came and ministered to Jesus Christ when he was being tempted by Satan. So prior to what we call Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't like the Holy Spirit was a foreigner or, or an unknown entity or, or just something out there that we didn't really know or experience. The Holy Spirit was very active. We looked at John 14 last week and, and shows that after the baptizing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit indwells us. That's why we play that video every now and then. The church is not a building. The church is you. The church is me. Because the Holy Spirit indwells us. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we are the ones that are to go out to our neighbors, to our family, to our communities to share Jesus Christ. Okay, get ready. Seatbelts fastened. We're going to go back and we're going to make it through verse 1 today, okay? But we'll take this one at a time. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And we've already talked about this a little bit, and we'll see more of it as we get into the chapter later today. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. There seems to be great discussions as to where that one place was. If we look back in in chapter 1, verse 14, it says that they, they were all with one mind. Oh, you know what? I need to back up. Verse 13. I'm sorry. Verse 13. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and there was 11 of them because Matthias hadn't joined them yet until the end of chapter 1. And verse 14, they were all with one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with certain women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So there may have been 20 or so people that were staying in the upper room. It was kind of like their bed and breakfast of the day. But look back at the last verse in, in 1 Luke. Luke chapter 24. The last couple verses, I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 24, verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. So in verse 50, uh, chapter 1, verse 13 In 14, we have them entering the upper room where they were staying, but they were daily going to the temple. Now, there's something about the temple is that it it had different rooms and courtyards for for meetings. So so a typical day in New Testament times in in the temple, in one of the courtyards, you'd have the Pharisees over here. And you know what they say about the Pharisees, right? You know our Ruth Ann? Okay, they were, they were hypocrites. But what they say about the Pharisees is, is that they weren't fair, you see, because they kept making a new rule for everything. And it just wasn't fair. And then over in another courtyard in the temple, you'd have the Sadducees. And do you know why they were Sadducees? They were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And then over here in another courtyard, you had these guys praising God continually in prayer and worship to our Heavenly Father. 
waiting as they were directed to, waiting for the advent of the Holy Spirit to come and baptize them into the church and then to fill them for ministry. We did it. We made it through verse 1. All right, let's go on to verse 2 and 3. No, no. (laughs) I knew that was too good to be true. Back up. Back to verse 1 for a minute. If we look in verse 15 of chapter 1. It says, at that time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons who were there together. Okay? So, so we know the size of the group of the believers and the disciples of Christ. It was a, a group that was meeting in, that, in their part of the courtyard of the temple, about 120 people. Now we'll go on to verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And appeared to them tongues as of fire being distributed on them, and it sat on each one of them. Hold on to your hats, right? Why? I have never heard a a noise loud enough to knock my hat off my head. Anybody heard a noise that loud? Okay, one of the common misconceptions when you read this verse is that a wind blew through. There was no wind. There was a noise, okay? The Holy Spirit coming from heaven made a noise like a mighty wind. And remember the, remember the volume of this. This will come back in later in a few more verses here. It was loud, people. There's no doubt about it. It wasn't windy. Nobody had to recomb their hair or readjust their turban or whatever they, they had up here, Okay? Because there was no wind. There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It filled the temple, okay? Because this is where they went daily to worship God and to praise God was in the temple. So it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues. We know that when when. Christ was baptized in Luke 3. That heaven opened and a dove descended. Now that was very appropriate and apropos for where Jesus was baptized. John the Baptist baptized, and I know we've talked about this before, John the Baptist baptized him in the wilderness. That's where John the Baptist's ministry was, was in the wilderness. And the significance of that dove coming from heaven over Christ after his baptism was that normally rich people live in the cities, the poor people live in the wilderness. And in the Old Testament times, if you couldn't afford to bring a lamb or a goat for your offering, you could bring a dove. So for the dove to descend from heaven over Christ when he was baptized was was a, a, a perfect understanding to the people that were there was that in in the Old Testament times, we had to bring a dove to sacrifice for our sins. Now, Jesus Christ is that perfect sacrifice. And for them to see that dove and made that connection made perfect sense to them. Had had you been baptized in the city, I I don't know if if God would have sent something other than a dove to come down because the, the rich city folks would have just, oh, there's a dirty bird. 
But to the people in the wilderness that were poor, it made perfect sense. Here is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Here we have a symbol. Okay, it is tongues as of fire. There were not tongues of fire resting on their heads. Okay? It looked like there was. It was as of. But it was to represent the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit that was to come upon them, that they were to be the light of the world. That they were to go forth and give the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there appeared to them as tongues of fire being distributed, and it sat on each one of them. Each one of them. It wasn't just the twelve apostles. It was all of them that were present there. Every single one of them that was present were baptized. And this, this is the, the, the place where in verse 2 and 3 we're talking about the baptism of the Spirit coming into one body. Jews and Gentiles coming into one body. Matthias is part of this group now. And then in verse 4, we're going to move into the filling of the Holy Spirit. Different between the baptism and the filling. Okay? The baptism happens once when we are saved, when we enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit then indwells us. He seals our salvation. We will never lose the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life if you are a believer and love the Lord as your, as your God and Savior. We came, we, I had um, Stephen read 1 Thessalonians 5 this morning, talking about the, the sudden coming of Christ, that uh, as a thief in the night, when, you, when people weren't ready or expecting it. And, and it says that in verse 2, that suddenly the, the, the noise came. Although these guys were, were looking for it, they didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. They were in the temple, praising the Lord, waiting for this to happen because Christ had told them it was going to happen. John the Baptist had told them it was going to happen. It's coming. They didn't know exactly when, but they were ready. They were being obedient because when Christ ascended, he said, go go to Jerusalem, wait in the city. So what did they do while they wait? They didn't sit on their hands wondering what to do and twiddling their thumbs. They went to the temple to praise God. So they were in the place they were supposed to be. They were ready. Although they, it came suddenly, they, they didn't know the exact time, they were ready when the Holy Spirit came to baptize them into the body of Christ and then to fill them for ministry. <clears throat> Verse 4. And they were all filled, okay? All filled. Not, none of them was excluded. That they were in that group that were waiting and looking for the baptizing of the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other dialects as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out in other dialects. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred... The multitude came together and were bewildered. What multitude? And who would have been in range to hear that sound? 
Yeah, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Anybody that was in the temple. And, and, as, and as loud as that was, have ever, any of you ever been in a tornado? Or been in a hurricane to hear the, to hear the winds? Forget the force of it, but just to hear the winds? They say it's like a, a, a train coming down the track. It's just loud. So it isn't surprising that it was noticed by others in the temple, right? And, and you know, the, if it was, if they were in the temple or if they were in the, in the house where they were staying, makes no difference. I mean, technically there's, it's not a big deal. And, you know, all the, the, the smart guys, the commentaries like to write on that it's this because of this or it's that because of that. Um, it, it, it really doesn't. I personally, from, from what I've been reading and studying, I believe they were in the temple when the Holy Spirit came. Um, if you think they were somewhere else, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I don't think it makes a difference. The thing was that they were ready, they were prepared, and they were doing what God had told them to do. They were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. But that coming came with a loud noise. So other people, it's not surprising that others came, regardless of where they were meeting. But it's logical that they were in the temple. Because... They were, uh, verse 6, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in their own language. The next few verses, we're going to take a little time for a history and a geography lesson today of where, where these men came from, but where, where would they gather? Would they gather around somebody's, in somebody's neighborhood just out on the street? No, they would gather because they came for Pentecost. They didn't know that it was the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were coming to celebrate the Feast of the Pentecost, which was a Jewish tradition that happened every year. Fifty days after the Feast of the First Fruits was the first day of the, of the first week following the first Sabbath after the Passover. There'll be a quiz on that later, okay? So... There were religious Jews from all over the known world at that time that were in Jerusalem gathering for Pentecost, celebrate the feast of Pentecost. So that's another reason that it lends to the idea that they were probably in the temple. They were each one hearing them speak in his own language or his own dialect. They were amazed and marveled, saying... Behold, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Galileans, well, what what were the disciples, the apostles? Where where did Jesus go to call the disciples? Go ahead and say it. Galilee. What did they do for a living? They were fishermen. They They weren't PhDs from the local community college. Not saying that the Galileans were stupid, because they weren't. That's not what I'm saying. They, they just weren't the PhDs. They were fishermen. They worked hard for a living. They worked with their hands. But all these guys are saying, what in the world? Where did all these Galileans, where did all these fishermen get all this education that they know foreign languages? That they can speak in all these different languages. Many, many of the commentators, and I, and 
I, I still don't know where I'm at with this, but many of the commentators talk about this being the, the reversal or, or the overturning of the curse at the Tower of Babel. When they were all of one language and they said, let's build this to reach the heavens. We'll, we'll Basically, we'll be God. We will be as good as God because we can build something. And God confounded them and confused them with different languages. And, and this is where the Holy Spirit overcame the differences of the language so that these men, these 120 that met and were waiting for the coming, the baptizing and then the filling of the Holy Spirit were prepared and ready to, to minister. And, and, and the, people, the, the Jews from all over the world are saying, how in the world did these Galileans learn my language from way back home? How would it, how, verse 8, how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own dialect, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Okay, here's your history lesson and your geography lesson. uh, We're going to start with the Parthians in verse 9. Parthia was a tribe... Way over here in the Caspian Sea, way over on the southeast side. How did Jews get over there? What happened in 581? The Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem and carried Daniel and Mishael, Azariah, and oh, I'm not going to remember the third one. It's easier to say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's their Babylonian names. I want their Jewish names. Anyhow, those fellows from that area that are back in Jerusalem for the Pentecost were dragged there by the Babylonians in captivity. And the Medes from Media. That was a little more in this area here. Just to the west of, of Parthia. Who were, those, who were those Jews that were back in Jerusalem? The Assyrians carried them off in 722 B.C. Even before the Babylonians hauled the other ones away. That's how Jews got over there. The Assyrians dragged them off when they took the northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes, and, and conquered that part of the land. <laughs> I knew I was going to do this, doggone it. I, I blew it. I was supposed to start the section of my message with the question, how many sons did Noah have? Go ahead, that's a question. How many sons did Noah have? Three. What were their names? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And what in the world does that have to do with the Holy Spirit coming in Acts 2? Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The Elamites. Elam was one of Noah's grandsons. Elam was born to Shem. And they were, um, let's see, so I'm, 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 Paying careful attention to my notes because I want to get my history lesson right. East of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, so east of here, so in this area, more part, more part of what today we know as Iran. But more in this area is where the Elamites were from. 
And they were descendants of Noah. Now hang on to that thought, because we're going to come to another one of Noah's grandsons. Look, and now you're going to be looking down through that list trying to figure out where Noah's other grandson fits into this. Okay? So we're, we're kind of over in the Mesopotamia area with, with this first group of guys. Then we're going to bring it back to... Um, <laughs> We're going to bring it back to Jerusalem uh, in, in verse uh, 9 there. After the Elamites, the, res- the residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea. No, you go back and keep, keep that first one there for a minute, I think. No, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> he knows it better than I do. And, okay. Judea. How, how, let me... Let me um, These were the Jews that returned from the Babylonian captivity. Now, listen, give me three names of men that led groups back from Babylon to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel was the first one. That's good. I thought that would be the toughest one. Somebody might not think that far back. Who are the other two? Ezra. Ezra, and if you don't get the next one, you're all fired. Nehemiah, yeah. That's this group. That's this group that came back to Jerusalem. They were in Babylonian captivity, but they were brought back by Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Cappadocia. This was a large Roman uh, province in most of Asia Minor was at one time. But Cappadocia is up in this area, straight, straight north of Israel there. And a lot of these next group are going to be from Asia Minor right in here. And they're not going to come point everyone with them out because you're not going to be able to see them. But, the, but it gives you a general idea where they were. Pontus was the northern part of Asia Minor, right up here. Oh, there we go. You can see in big bullets, right on the southern shore of the Black Sea. Asia was the western part of what we call today Turkey. Phrygia or Phrygia? Paul visited that area three times on his missionary journeys. Pamphylia, central southern Turkey. That's where Paul entered on his first missionary journey, and he went through there, I believe, on all three. But that's southern Turkey there, right in this area there. Now we're going to shift scenes a little bit. And you're going to have to look at the very bottom of the map because it's. I, I wanted to keep the number of maps down. Egypt. Can you tell me which grandson of Noah founded Egypt? I never knew this before. This was new to me this time, guys. Did a, what's that? Okay, Ham was his son. Who was... Who, who was Noah's grandson or Ham's son that founded Egypt. That's all right. I didn't do so good at pop quizzes all the time either. (laughs) Okay. His name was Mizram. Noah's grandson founded Egypt. Did anybody know that before today? I didn't know that before this week. I I have to be honest with you. How cool is that? All the times that, I mean, the Jews went down, and even Jesus as a baby was taken down to Egypt for a while. 
There was a family connection there. I never knew that before. Libya, also kind of the same area of Cyrene. Right over here. Here's Egypt, here's Cyrene, and Libya over there. I, I, didn't, I did not know where Cyrene was before. I'm ashamed to admit. Does the name Simon of Cyrene ring a bell? Why, why do we know that name? Why, why do we know the name Simon of Cyrene? He carried the cross for Christ. And that's the area he came from. But he, I'm not saying he was there in Jerusalem that day, but there were people from that area. I mean, he may have been there. He may have been one of the 120. We don't know. But Simon of Cyrene, Cyrene was, was an area that had a very large Jewish population. And I understand back in the day, it was quite the resort type area. Um, it, it was uh, elevated about 2,000 feet above sea level, about 10 miles from the, from the Mediterranean. So, you, you know, you were up there and you could, you could see the Mediterranean, obviously, from there. But a lot of Jews were from that area. And at this time, and, and you, got, you got a few, the, the Rome, of course, everybody knows where Rome is. Uh, the Cretans are from the Isle of Crete, and then Arabs from further down, just in different, but it doesn't give specific countries or, or groups of Arabs, but Arabs down uh, south of, of Egypt and, and Libya and Cyrene there. These Jews were, pra- were, were practicing Jews for the most part who had been dispersed for different reasons. Some of them were, were on business. Some of the earlier ones, they were dragged off because they weren't the Anawim. They were the smart, good-looking ones. The Anawims were the ones left behind. We've talked about that before. But God had these Jews back in Jerusalem at the temple to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost they didn't know or realize that they were going to witness a new Pentecost. They were going to witness the coming of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit into one body for those that believed. And then the filling of the Spirit for these 120. So that they could speak the language of all these people from all these different places. It's in many, It says... How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? For some of them, there were hundreds of years, so several generations of their families had lived in these foreign countries. Some of them may or may not have spoken Hebrew. But they knew that they were going to come back to the temple to worship. They were going to come back to the temple to celebrate the Jewish feast of Pentecost. They were in for a surprise. Here are these disciples of Jesus Christ speaking in their language. How did that happen? These guys are just fishermen. They're not the PhDs that have gone on and kept getting education. Isn't that interesting that God can use fishermen? You don't have to have your PhD to be used by God. You just have to have a willing heart. 
We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. What else would they talk about? They all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, you know, there's always the, what what do you say? Every party has its pooper, that's why we invited you. Every party pooper, whatever, right? Okay, (laughs) there's some of those in this crowd too. Because verse 13 says, but others were mocking and say they're full of sweet wine. They're drunkards. Those dumb Galileans are drunkards. You're going to have to come back next week to see what Peter says in response. But these were, were people that were looking. They, were, they didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but they were looking forward. They were looking for the promise that God, Christ had said them. John the Baptist told, even Joel had foretold, that there would be the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were obedient. They were waiting, and it happened. Why did they receive the filling of the Holy Spirit to speak in other dialects? What was the whole purpose and the reason? Was that so that others could hear the proclamation of the gospel? That's why they waited and were filled with the Spirit to proclaim Jesus Christ, to praise His name, to exalt Him. Not themselves. Not their fine schooling or pedigrees. Not their rich heritage or great family line. They were there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for these men who were obedient to You. And they proclaimed Your Word. They were expecting you, Father. They were waiting. They were looking for you to send your Holy Spirit like you said you would, and you did, and they were ready. And with the filling of the Holy Spirit, they proclaimed Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the witness and testimony of these men. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Are you willing to be used by God this week? Are you willing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're going to take about a five-minute break, and then we're going to...